I am going to draw our attention to something in Joel 2, the reading from Joel 2. Let us pray together. Lord, we ask that in this time, your Holy Spirit would open our eyes, open our hearts. By your word, would you do the work that only you can do? And help us to meet with Jesus in this moment. In his name we pray, amen. Our prayer for Lent is a prayer for new hearts. We prayed in the beginning, Almighty and everlasting God, create and make in us new and contrite hearts. In both the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament, this word heart, when we read that, very rarely does it mean some, the, the organ inside of our chest. When we see heart in the scriptures, what we're reading about is the center of being. The center of being. One theologian says the heart is the whole man. Another explains the heart as the central animating center of all we do. And he calls the heart our motivation headquarters. Biblically speaking, the heart is your inner being. It's the essence of who you are. And from there flows all of your thoughts and actions and desires and words and dreams and hopes, fears. Jesus would say in Luke 6, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That is, from the heart comes everything. Your heart is the governing center of all that you are. And this, your heart, is what God is after. It's what he wants from you. And it's from here, from your heart, that he calls us, he calls you, to love him. In the center of the Old Testament is the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, where God says, you shall love the Lord, Moses says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Put God at the center of who you are. This, according to Jesus, is the essence of living your life for God's glory, of obeying the law. When asked, what is the greatest commandment? He says, you shall love God with all your heart. The last words Joshua ever said to the people of God, or at least recorded in the scriptures, is this. Cling to God and serve him with all your heart. Joshua 22. Solomon in Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it springs life. Your heart is made and designed to pursue God, to love God, to go after Him, to cling to Him, to love Him. And this type of whole life commitment is what God requires of His creatures. This is how we must seek God with our whole heart. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, tells us unless we seek God with our entire heart, we will not find God. The God who made you wants all of you. He loves you with all he is and he calls you to love him from your heart with all that you are. 
But this evening, as we gather together as a congregation to begin a Lenten journey, we are intensely aware, and we, or hopefully we will become intensely aware that our hearts are, as one hymn puts it, prone to wander. And our hearts are, without healing grace, are filled with wickedness and desperately confused. Though commanded to take care of our hearts lest we be deceived, we have been deceived. The throne of, or the center of our being was made for God, but we have put false gods, there are other loves, at the center of our being. Like Adam, who determined that he could do, he could sit on the throne himself and be God when he took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we have all told God in various ways, even today, move aside, I can be God. I'll sit on the throne of my heart. And without God on the throne reigning as the loving Father over our lives, we don't find springs of death, we find, we will be reminded tonight, Pits, we don't find springs of life, we find pits of death. Ezekiel 18.20, the soul who sins shall die. When you are the king of your life, you don't pursue God and all the blessings he has for you or seek to share those blessings with others. Instead, you seek self-protection. You reach for whatever gratifies the flesh. And this is what gives birth to hatred, envy, strife, slander, stealing, lying, murder, backstabbing. And the list of evil goes on, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 9, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. In Genesis 6, after God's people abandon him and put themselves on the throne and love things more than God. Genesis 6, God looks at creation and says the thoughts of the hearts of men are wicked all the time. Without love for God, evil abounds. And without love for God, death reigns. James says it in this way. Desire, that is what is within us. Desire gives birth to sin and sin when it is full Full grown gives birth to death. A heart not in love with God above all gives birth to all kinds of evil. And evil leads us to death. Death in separation from God. Death in broken relationships. Death eternally. And without the intervening love of God, without his love for us, this is our destiny. Paul says in he tells us in Romans 5 that in Adam we've all entered into this state of sin. And so Ephesians 4, he says our hearts are hardened to the love of God. And this is not only a New Testament teaching. David, we heard him pray in Psalm 51. He prays a prayer that we can all pray. When he says this, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Though we have been made in God's image to bear his likeness in this world, we have been born into a world filled with with rebellion against God and we have participated in this rebellion. Our hearts are sin-sick. 
Jeremiah 17.9 says it this way, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The same prophet who calls us to seek God with all of our hearts in Jeremiah 29 says in Jeremiah 17, our hearts are wicked beyond what we can imagine. And he says, who can cure it? We can't even understand it. We can't even get down there and figure out what's going wrong. We can't fix it. So we can't seek God on our own with our entire being. And unless we're able to seek him with a pure whole heart, we cannot find him. God tells the, tells the people of God in Hosea, they're putting on a show, they're acting the part, they're going through the liturgy, but their hearts are far from God. And God says, I will not be, in, this is Hosea 5, I will not be in your midst unless you earnestly seek me. Not just a show, but earnestly from within. This is where I finally get to Joel 2, quickly. Joel comes to a broken people whose hearts are far from God with a message. The people had lived in rebellion against God because love for him wasn't supreme, supreme in their lives. In response to their sin, God's wrath is being poured out on them, called in Joel chapter 2, the day of the Lord. They're experiencing a day of the Lord a judgment against their sin. And Joel describes the situation. It sounds terrible. He says, it's a day of darkness and gloom, of clouds and thick darkness, blackness spread upon the earth. The judgment is a devouring fire, burning flames, like nothing ever seen before. Romans 1 tells us that God is always judging sin. His wrath is poured out against sin. He's not indifferent to rebellion in our lives or in the world today. God is judging the world. Sin will be met with a devouring fire. And one day, on the final day of judgment, King Jesus will come and bring that final judgment against all sin. All sinners lost in their sin will meet their doom. Death, eternal separation from the Father, and forever wrath. Joel knows that God is judging their wayward, sin-sick hearts. But Joel also knows that the God who judges is the God who saves. So he prays God. It's all been so sad. But Joel 2.12, things turn. And Joel the prophet, he speaks. God uses Joel to speak. And God says, he says, yet even now, that is, even in the face of judgment that you deserve, yet even now, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. The Lord, he tells his people the way to find mercy instead of judgment. Come back to me. Come back with your whole heart. Return to me. He says, rend your hearts, not your garments. That is, don't just go through the motions. I don't care about that. 
It's Psalm, it's Psalm 51. That's not what you're delighted in. You want a whole heart that is returning to you. So God tells them, return to me. And what does it look like outwardly when inwardly we are moved in our heart? Well, it looks like weeping and mourning and fasting. If your heart, your sin-filled heart turns to God, turns to God holy, then according to the scriptures, you will be broken by your sin. You will mourn your rebellion against God. You will fast, forsaking those things that have led you away from him, that you might delight in him more. Why? Because when you are pursuing him with your whole being, you're not just going through motions. Not just rending your garments and washing them out. You're bringing your, the heart that needs to be washed out to the Father. Joel, Joel, he goes on to tell the people of God, when you come to God in this way, with your whole heart, with your entire being, you will find God to be gracious, you will find him to be merciful, faithful, and filled with steadfast love. Love for you. And you will see he's willing to relent when you come to him. This is who God is. It's his character. He judges sin, and in mercy, he forgives. So what should the people do? Well, Joel says, blow the trumpet. Get everyone together, even the babies. Bring them to, even the old people. Get them, even newlyweds who are busy doing newlywed things. Interrupt whatever's going on and bring them, everyone, to the sanctuary. Get the priests. Tell them to call on the name of the Lord for us. Tell them to turn our attention to God and ask the priest to call God's attention to us. Get everyone together. And Joel was right. If you read on in Joel 2, it goes on to tell us of God's response. He relents and his people are saved. Though their love for God had failed, his love for them did not. But the prophecy we read in Joel, it runs past what the people of his day could fully experience to foretell of a greater salvation. The people in Joel's time could only come with their whole hearts the same way we do, by faith in God, that he would make them new, that he would cleanse them, that he would give them a spirit that could remake their hearts. This comes out in Joel 2, 28, when God says, one day I will pour my spirit into you so that all of you can call on my name with your entire being. God, the maker of hearts, he knows that he alone has the power to remake our fallen hearts that have disordered affections. And God will do this by his Holy Spirit. He promises in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I'm gonna remove that heart that is stone and give them a heart that is flesh. He says the same thing in Ezekiel 36. David knew this was true as well. To love God with all he was, he needed his sin forgiven and he needed a new heart that could pursue God. He prays in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. David's prayer and the promise of Joel 2 are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Jesus came into the world knowing that we could not love God 
with our entire being. Because of the sin that has disordered our affections and brought the wrath of God, even death instead of life. Driven by grace, mercy, and loving kindness, Jesus, God the Son, was born into a world broken by and compelled by sin. Yet Jesus was unlike anyone that had come before him or come since. He loved the Father with his whole heart. In John 14.10, Jesus declared what no one else could ever say. He said, I do as the Father has commanded me, so the world may know that I love the Father. Jesus fulfilled the Shema, the very center of the Old Testament, that which we are called to live. Jesus lived to serve God with his entire being. In John 4.34, he says, my food, that is, my life, my life is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus, too, sought the Father with his entire being. He sought, he seeked, is that a word? He sought the Father. Faced with the cross, Jesus said, not my will, but yours. And seeking God, Jesus went to the cross to rend his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he is the great high priest who can stand between us and the Father and offer a substitutionary sacrifice that will answer David's prayer for forgiveness of sin. And because Jesus clung to the Father with his entire being, even dying, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The Father came to the Son. In the Father's coming to the seeking Son, Jesus was raised... He was raised to everlasting life. Then Jesus promised in his resurrected body to send the spirit that could make our hearts new. Peter tells us in Acts 2 that Jesus fulfilled this promise of forgiveness and this promise of Joel 2 of the spirit. All who come to Jesus find forgiveness of sin. Your sin-sick heart can be liberated by his blood. And then with redeemed lives, Jesus breathes his life into you, his spirit into you, and he gives you a new and contrite heart. Only when we come to Jesus in faith, believing that he is the promise of redemption, the giver of the spirit, the maker of new hearts, can we pursue God with all that we are. Because in Jesus, by faith in Jesus, his very heart fills our lives and turns us to the Father, to the Father's heart. So we pray for new hearts because without the work of the Spirit in our lives to give us these new hearts, we cannot seek God. We cannot find God. We cannot love God. To find an answer to this prayer, we turn in faith to God, just like David, just like the Judeans in Joel 2. We turn in faith to God that he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and filled with love. We turn to him in feebleness and weakness and frailty and sin and we find Jesus. We find the one who can take our wicked hearts and provide new ones. I'm going to conclude now. Tonight I'm sounding the trumpet as it were in Joel 2 and I'm calling everyone together for this encouragement. Love, cling, serve, seek, put your faith in Jesus. For only in him can we surrender all to the Father. This evening, as you even come to receive the imposition of ashes, 
Come with eyes fixed on Christ. Come by faith, relying on Him, the giver of the Spirit. As you receive these ashes, even as you begin a fast, if the Lord is calling you to that, these movements become signs of inward realities. Signs that though we are weak and frail and burdened with sin, listen, the very heart of Jesus, according to Matthew 11, is to release you from your burden, to take your sins in himself, and to give you a heart at rest, remade and being remade to love God. Heavenly Father, Take these words of truth that are true. Whatever is of you, Lord, take them and root them in our lives. By your spirit, water the seeds and produce fruit. And that each of us here, being reminded of our sin, would be reminded even more and all the more of your Mercy, grace, and steadfast love towards us in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.